You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. All right. How's everybody doing? Doing good. How many uh, delusional cowboy fans do we have in here? Let me guess, this is y'all's year. <laughs> got, got the same team, but everything's different. That's why, that's why I left y'all Cody. Cody's a Cowboys fan, y'all can, anyway. Man, good to be here. Uh, good to see a good to see a full house. Um, I'm just reminded, you know, it's been about a little over 10 years now since we we started the church, and uh, I just I'm I'm to the point anymore where when I come, I I just don't know so many of you guys. But uh, it's just such an honor and a privilege to be here because I remember when we started, like I would I would walk around the the church and on on Sundays when the church was growing and there's all these new people. Uh, showing up and I, I just would get this overwhelming feeling. I'd see different people and different people would just, like they would stick to my heart. And it's like, this is why we do this. This is why we do this. And so it's just really an honor and a privilege that, that you would be here today and uh, get a chance to, to speak with you. In case, in case you're new here, uh, my name's Braden. I'm the, the lead pastor here. Uh, me and my wife, Leanne, started this church almost a little over 10 years ago now and just love it every single second of it. Don't get to come back as much as I wish we could. I really do cherish every time we do get to come back. So we just love you guys. And I just want to take a minute. Can we just honor your pastors, Pastor Cody and Stacy? <clears throat> See, a lot of people don't know this about Stacy, but she was in rebellion for a long time and um, wouldn't come to work for us. And finally, I just had to tell her, like, Stacy, repent and follow Jesus. So really excited that you have her as your children's pastor. But anyway, and, and let me just say this. I, I don't know of two better parents on the planet. For me personally, I have such extremely high value for parenting and, and people that take their families personally and, and, and take it and make it a big deal. And I tell you, I don't know two people that do a better job of that than Cody and Stacy. So just one more time, can we just give them a round of applause? Just really appreciate you guys. All right. I'll... Um, we're just going to jump right in. I, don't, I, got, I went way over my time in the first service, and uh, we'll probably do the same here. So I'm just going to get that off my chest. But uh, if you got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 9. We will uh, land there eventually. I, uh, I didn't do this in the first service, and now I'm kind of regretting it. But I just want to give you just a little bit of a teaser. Uh, how many of you guys were here for our 10-year anniversary service? Uh, a bunch of you guys were. Um, I have been... I've been having this sense that something was coming in my life personally for, for quite some time. Uh, I, I know we're not done here with what we're doing, uh, excited about Renew Life Church and planning campuses and raising up leaders, and, and I've, I've, I'm excited about it. And uh, it's, it, it's, it's a joy to, to help for me to train up leaders and, and to think about planting churches. But I've just had this sense that there were some things coming. And for years, I have, it's been a passion of mine uh, to talk about parenting. And we used to do a series years ago, uh, we called it Family Tune-Up. 
And when I was here more regularly, I would teach three straight weeks. Any guys, guys remember our family tune-up series? Uh, I would teach three straight weeks on marriage, parenting, and finances. Uh, but my favorite thing to talk about has always been parenting. And I just really feel like the Lord's placed a burden on me and Leanne uh, for basically even put us together, a unique combination. We've actually almost never disagreed when it comes to parenting. And uh, I know that is bizarre. Uh, now, marriage, we... Uh, we love passionately and we fight passionately, but, uh, but as far as parenting, we've just, the, the Lord just really put us together and there was a grace on, on some things for us. And I think it was, I don't know, maybe subtly I always knew there would be something more to it. Long story short, um, we were driving down here the week of the 10th anniversary service and I just, we just started feeling this and had been for a while feeling this thing like we I feel like we're supposed to take a step of faith in, the, in this particular area and we weren't exactly sure uh, where, but we've done this before. And so we just started taking steps of faith. We, uh, we created an Instagram account. Leanne and I actually have, have had for, I don't know, four or five years, our own personal ministry, 501c3, but we've never done anything with it. We felt like we were supposed to start it four or five years ago and we have never done a single thing with it. And, uh, but we've just been feeling like, okay, Lord, what, what are you doing here? Uh, we started a website, hadn't told anybody what it is yet. Uh, we came up with a name, got, I've been working on logos and things like that. We're actually gonna start uh, a, a little avenue of our own ministry around the area of parenting. Uh, and the, the name of it will be Real Biblical Parenting. And we just feel really strongly that that's something we're supposed to be doing. And then we, got, we were doing all this on the way down to our 10th anniversary service. And then I don't, I don't know if you guys remember, but Corey Russell, when he was here, he began to prophesy that the next 10 years of this ministry would be dedicated to the next generation. And when he said that, the Lord spoke very clearly to me. And he says, if you want to impact the next generation's kids, you have to impact this generation's parents. And I, I know there's this thing, it's a, it's a misnomer that uh, the, the, the church is the number one place to get help for your kids. And I think a lot of times we just inadvertently look to the church to give our kids Jesus, but we get them so little and, and it's, it's, it's not the way it's supposed to be. Um, if, you wanna, if you wanna change a generation of kids and then change a generation of youth, you have to change a generation of parents. And moms and dads have to start seeing themselves, listen to this, as pastors of their home. Pastors of their home. Every time, every time it's my turn to preach, I, I, I know it's my time to preach and I prepare to preach. I get, I, I, obviously I spend time in the Word just regularly, just for my own relationship with God. But because I know I have a job to do, I prepare. And I take very seriously my responsibility when I stand up here and, and have people that listen to me. As parents, you have, a, you have a message to preach every single day. You have something to impart to your kids every single day and it's incre incredibly important that we start taking that more seriously. So Leanne and I said, we're, we're gonna launch a class. Uh, we're gonna do a little uh, online class this fall. Um, I've, I've looked through the dates. I don't know what they are, but just, just stay tuned. Uh, I, Cody, I, don't, I may have to get you to announce it because I was looking at the calendar and the next time I'm here is gonna be too late. I think the next time I'm here is the week before we're gonna start the class actually. So I'll have to give you a little bit of a heads up, but just pay close attention to that and just be believing God for wisdom. Uh, I, I really have a passion for this. I, I really wanna see a generation of parents trained to train their kids. Uh, and, and like the scripture says, train them up in the way that they should go. There is a way your kids should go. And if we do our job of training them up in the way that they should go, in the end, 
they'll not depart from it. Any of you guys understand, in the end is the most important part. You can throw an interception in the first quarter, another one in the second quarter, another one in the third quarter, and you'll be Dak Prescott. But then... I saw, I saw, I saw a two, where's my Tua jersey at? Tua's on my fantasy team. I saw my Tua jersey right there anyway. Um, but it's in the end that matters. It's in the end that matters. And as parents, we've got to get this, like kids are kids, man. It, it, is, it is a challenge. And so, but we want to help you with that. But anyway, just a little bit of a, a teaser for that that's coming. But um, a couple of weeks ago when I was here last, I started a, a, a message uh, I actually titled the message, The Blueprint of an Encounter. Uh, and that's going to be funny or funnier when we get done here because you'll realize that I actually have no desire to show you a blueprint today. Uh, but I, I did back when I thought that's what we were going to do. And then a couple of weeks ago when I began to preach it, <clears throat> I had a first half of my message, second half of my message, and I never even got to anywhere near the second half of my notes. And I ended up just spending a good amount of time just telling story after story of encounters, supernatural encounters that I've had uh, with the Lord. I began the, the, the talk by saying, uh, there are three things that have impacted my life in the kingdom more than anything else, and it is in this order. Number one, the word of God. Number two, prophets and prophecy. And number three, supernatural encounters with God. I, I want to just read this because it's something that you have to get down in your spirit. John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Just say that last part with me. The word was God. One more time. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was the life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. For whatever reason, God has chosen to interact with his people at all times through written words. Uh, he even, in the Old Testament, he even wrote in stone the 10 commandments. He, he uses the written word of God. And in the new covenant, the new Testament, we have uh, the Bible, the word of God. And I, it is I cannot stress this enough, you cannot exaggerate this point enough, but you have got to get to the point where the Bible is God in your life in every single area. The Bible is God in every single area. What I love about this is that even when culture starts to change, the words on this page do not. When things around us start to change, this word does not. The, the scripture says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. If we don't have the word of God, we can be convinced of things. We can be convinced that this, is, this seems like the right way to go, and we will walk right straight into death. <laughs> Without the word of God, we can be deceived. We can be confused. We can be convinced that, you know what, maybe there are more than two genders. Well. Here we go. It, it's, 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 it sounds crazy, but it, it's, we, have a, we live in a world that has said the lie over and over again. We, first of all, we live in a world that has said the Bible's not the authority and the Bible's not God. So it starts with that. But now we live in a world where there's not enough people that have said 
The Bible is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word is God. And now we've allowed deception to come in where maybe there's another way to do this. Maybe there are more than two, maybe it actually is okay. Maybe some people are just born uh, lesbians or homosexuals or, or whatever. And this is not to be ugly, but what it is to, is to let you know there is a standard. And my emotions, my feelings, what someone else says, research and data does not change what this Bible says. D did you know that from, you would know this, because if you have kids, from the time you were born, you want to be selfish. Did anybody have to train your kid to be selfish? Did, any, did, did anybody have to train your kid to, to say that word over and over again? Mine, mine. Did you train them to do that? No, of course you didn't. How many of you guys know that that is not the way that they're supposed to act though? They're not supposed to be selfish. What's the point? Just because you feel it doesn't make it right. Just because it seems to be right, seems to be what I'm thinking, seems to be what I'm feeling. The Bible says don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? Renewing your mind, also known as changing the way that you think. The only way to change the way that you think to be transformed into the image of Christ is to get into the word and to say, you know what? This doesn't seem right, but the word is more real than my seamer. And you heard me say this a couple of weeks ago. For most of, for most of us, the issue is that we don't know the truth the issue is we don't know how to speak the truth in love where it actually works on the world around us. Jesus had the wisdom when a woman was caught in adultery to, sh to, to push away her accusers and remind her, I'm not here to accuse you. However, you need to stop acting like this. And we've bought into some lie that if we really love people, we won't talk to them that way. If we really love people, we won't tell them what you're doing is wrong. No, what we need to learn is the wisdom. How do we show them we're not here to accuse them and we're definitely not gonna let anybody else around here accuse them. But maybe in private, when I've won their heart, I'm gonna tell them, hey, if you keep living this way, it's gonna end in death. And I love you enough to say those words to you. The Bible is the concrete word of God and we've gotta get more serious about um, adjusting our life to the word instead of the word to our life. The word has a plan for every area of your life. Uh, I heard Robert Morris say this years ago about the, the tithe. And he said, uh, as it pertains to the tithe, there's only one of, uh, one of, you can only do two things with the tithe. You can return it or you can steal it. it where would he get such straightforward language? The Bible. And I would propose that as it pertains to every area, everything in the word in every area of your, of your life, you really only have two choices, submit to the word or rebel against it. And my, our job is to get into the word, learn the word. It's hard to follow instructions that you don't know exist. Uh, any gamers in here, you love playing games like game nights and things like that. Uh, we're, not, we're, we're pretty serious uh, about game night. We, we have a game that, uh, we love to play in groups and we have people over called Fishbowl. Anybody ever played Fishbowl? 
You take every person on the team, you write down seven words or phrases or acronyms or something, you fold them up, you put them in a bowl, and then you, you take turns in, on a time limit, and you draw them out, and you have to, first round, you can say anything you want to try to get them to guess your word. The second round, you can, I think you say one word, and then the third one, you act it out or something like that. But um, fun game if you're a winner. <laughs> we, uh, we hired a new uh, worship pastor a few weeks back, and... Um, I, we almost lost her over game night because we invited her over to our house to play game night. And I could tell she did not know how important game night was. Her, her and her husband was like, okay, you guys are, are weird. Like um, in the round where you can only say one word, we are of the persuasion that um is a word. See, I, I see some people, you're gamers. I could tell you're gamers. Like, you know, no, if you can only say one word, say one word. And I heard a word come out of your mouth. You know? um, so it's... <laughs> pretty serious. And, um, but how many of you guys understand, if you want to win at the game, you better know the rules. And I would just propose that the word of God is the rules. <laughs> it is the way this thing, it's it, obviously, I can tell you there's so many analogies and they're all true. It's the word, the word is Jesus and he's a person. I, I, all those things are true, but they, there is still a reason he chooses to write it in black and white, the Old Testament in stone, the New Testament in the Bible, because it is the way to succeed. You're not going to win if you don't know what's, what's in there. And so you can't say, you, well, we got to follow the word. Well, to follow it, you got to know it. You gotta create a pattern in your life, dis disciplines in your life to get that word down on the inside of you so the Holy Spirit has something to work with. Not really where I wanted to go, but there's, there's that. Um, number one, the thing that's impacted my life the most, the thing I've built my life on the most, number one, the word of God. Number two is prophets and prophecy. Matthew chapter five, verse 17, Jesus uh, said this in verse 17. He says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Notice what he came to fulfill, the law and the prophets, not just the written word of God, but the spoken word of God. And I would propose to you that today, there are still prophets and prophecy, and if you wanna succeed, you have to believe in both. I know it may be new information. 2 Chronicles 20, 20 says this, believe the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Um, it would be impossible to exaggerate the significance um, of, of prophets and prophecy as it pertains to this particular organization, Renew Life Church, uh, this body of believers, because uh, for quite some time now, we have taken prophets and prophecy very seriously. We understand that that is uh, it, it's very important to, to God. And, and I'll just say this even personally, some would know this, some would not, but um, even in our own personal life, uh, we take prophets, Leanne and I have taken for a long time prophets and prophecy very, very seriously. Um, several years ago, probably eight, nine years ago now, um, I had my pastor, Walt Landers, called me and he said, hey, I've got, a, I've got this prophet I want you to meet. He's coming to town. He's from South Africa. His name's Ed Trout. Anybody ever heard Ed Trout? He's been here a few times. And he said, I want you to meet this prophet. And he said, um, so I go, and it was in a leadership gathering. There was, I don't know, 100 people in there or so. And I was, let's see, where was I sitting? He, he, I was sitting like right in this area over here. Uh, and he, um, at the, he had preached for a little while. He said, we're gonna do some Q&A. Anybody have some questions? And so we, a few people asked some questions. And then I raised my hand, and I had a question. And he answered my question. He's like, very good. He said, what's your name? So I told, told, me, told him my name. 
And he said, he said, how many kids you got? And I said, two. And he said, you're going to have more, right? Well, at the time, we, there was no plan to have any more. Uh, we had had two kids and uh, I had a vasectomy, so we were, we were done. Well, three years after I had done that, my wife, Leanne, had come to me and said, hey, I think I want more kids. And I said, I don't think you know how this works. <laughs> you got a chance to vote on that and you already did. And uh, so I, I just, I, had, I was hearing none of it. I had no, I didn't want to hear any of it about <laughs> having kids after that. I'm like, no, that's, that, it, was, it was over. And so the, he says, how many kids you have? I said, two. He said, you're having more, right? And I said, oh no, we're done. He said, oh, that's right. That's, he said, um, you didn't ask the Lord, did you? Had two kids and had a vasectomy and never asked the Lord, did you? And I was like, well, I'm pretty sure that's none of your business, what I did or did not do. But I was very, I was very stunned by that. And uh, he went on to say several things very prophetically and, and really, really read my mail. Uh, and it was, it was a very significant moment. And I, um, as he was speaking, the Lord began to convict me pretty strongly around the area of Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, uh, great uh, chapter for married couples. It says, wives submit to your husbands. And us husbands, we love that part. And we usually love to stop reading after it says that. But what it says after that, it says, and husbands, give up your life for your wife, just like Christ did for the church. And when that prophet said that to me, I, the Lord convicted me. He said, you've been living your life for what you want, not what she wants. And so I didn't, I didn't pray about it. I didn't think about it. As soon as the service was over, I went into the parking lot and I called my wife and I repented. And I said, I'm, I, I repent. I said, I this is what just happened. And I, to me, I don't know if it has anything to do with a kid or not, but I do know that my heart was wrong and I have not done a good job of giving up my life for your life. And so if you want another kid, I'll do whatever it takes to do that. And of course she was in shock and she's like, I'm gonna have to think about this as, as if it's still something that I want. And, um, and so <clears throat> after uh, some time, she decided that is what she wanted. I undid what those terrible doctors had done the first time <laughs> to me. And uh, so we, we, we just assumed, we, you know, it, everything was going to be just fine. Well, it, things still weren't happening. And so we had some tests run and the doctors came back and let us know that uh, it was impossible for us to have kids. And there was no way. Leanna had some tests run with her and it's like, it's just, it's not in the cards. It's not going to happen. And, but we had a prophetic word. And I, I'm like, okay, Lord, you didn't, have, you didn't have me snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. <laughs> For this. And, uh, and, and, can, and let me just say this. You can get a prophetic word and you can still get discouraged after a while. And it just, we got the word and we acted on the word. Well, we didn't do nothing. I acted on the word and and nothing was happening, and it got discouraging. And uh, after about two years, uh, I have another prophet friend who from Florida who called me, and he said, this would have been about a little over five years ago, and he said, uh, this would have been October-ish, I think. And he said, um, hey, had a dream, pretty sure it has to, do with you and, has to do with you and Leanne. He said, does the number 15 mean anything to you? 
And I said, yeah, I said, uh, this, this Christmas is, or a couple of months is mine and Leanne's 15th anniversary. He said, yeah, that's kind of what I thought. He said, the Lord told me to tell you to tell Leanne uh, that there's a gift for her. He has a, a gift for her that's been delayed, but it's coming at Christmas. <clears throat> and I, it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, Lord. And this is no joke. I actually, I was like, okay, Lord, like, don't mess around. Like, you can't be going and telling us stuff like this. Because we'd had a few other prophetic words and nothing was happening. And I said, don't, you can't do this and it not be real. And, um, but I went and shared it with her and I was like, hey, I, I need you to hear this word. Joe called and this was the word and blah, blah, blah. And on our anniversaries on the 14th, December 14th, and on December 13th, um, I walked into our house and just eyes as big as saucers and she just holds up a stick. She's like, we're pregnant. And of course she said all these all this time she had prepared this special way that she was gonna do it. But she's like, I was just in such shock. I couldn't even think of anything other than just to tell you, you know. And against all odds, a prophet prophesied it, a prophet encouraged it, and God made it happen. And uh, so we now have our miracle. She's five. Last year, not so much this year, last year, we got to know the, the principal of the school really well because of our miracle. And so just in case you're really hungry for a miracle, just know they don't always turn out exactly like you thought they were going going to turn out. I didn't even know you could get called to the principal in pre-K. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. We had never been called to the principal before. We made it one week into pre-K and they're like, can you come up here? And I'm like, does she eat someone? I mean, like, what did she do? So we are, we are now stewarding our miracle. Anyway, but that is one of many stories that I could tell you of prophets speaking into our life, us believing the prophets, and so shall we prosper uh, this entire ministry. I, I mean, I'm, I could just tell you one thing after another, whether it was, in fact, this building you're standing in, I'll never forget this. We were sitting across, we owned the building across the street, and we had purchased some land. This was an old rundown block and had a couple of old rundown buildings on it. And um, <clears throat> there was a, we had purchased land. We were planning the building on the north, uh, north side of town. And this, this little Nazarene church prophet came to town and we, we had it, we did a joint service with some groups and he, he was at that other building and he looked out the window and he was looking over here on this block and he goes, huh, I can see your church right there. He said, yeah, I can see it. And he goes, I see a little children's area over there. It's almost like a school on, on this side and I, I, see your, I see your building right there. And, and in my head, I was like, yeah, false prophet. Because I just thought, well, we're going out there. And I mean, it wasn't but four or five months after he said that. Some things happened out there that made it realize we can't go out there. And all of a sudden, I just remembered, you know, that guy said it was right here. And I had already tried to purchase this land once before. And the guy that owned it, man, he was such a jerk to me. I mean, it was just not... He was not happy at all. The price was terrible. It's almost like he just did not want us to have it. And I, but I, all of a sudden I remember when things started falling apart out there, I was like, okay, Lord, well, that one prophet did say, I guess I'll call that guy again. I had, actually had to make myself call him because I didn't really want to call him. And uh, I called him and said, hey, um, are you the guy that owns the land? And completely different attitude. Oh, yeah, yeah, what can I do? I was like, is it still for sale? Yeah, yeah, how much? He told me the amount. 
And I mean, it was fractions of what I thought he was going to tell me. And within a few months, we bought the land, and here we stand in this, in this building because a, a prophet saw it. And then I remembered what he said and just thought, on a whim, I'll make a phone call. There's so much about this ministry that's built on, on prophets and prophecy. And um, I, I would encourage you, I, obviously, there's some, a lot that we do um, in trainings and things like that. I, I don't know if we have, have one planned. I think we've actually been talking about it. We hadn't had a prophetic exercise or training here in quite a while, but I know, I know that'll be coming soon. But uh, I, I would just encourage you, get around it and allow God to, to use it to bless your life. Uh, I didn't mean to spend that much time on this. I want to get to number three, supernatural encounters. Um, and I'll tell you why and get to the point of why it's funny now that I named the first message blueprint of an encounter. Uh, supernatural encounter. I just, I, I, Webster's doesn't have a, de, a good definition of supernatural encounter, but I did find something online that I liked. It says a supernatural encounter is a specific experience in which God acts unexpectedly and supernaturally in our relationship with him. Um, it's important that you first and foremost know that supernatural encounters are biblical and you don't have to have read much of the Bible to see God moving in incredibly um, unexpected and supernatural ways all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament. It's in the left side of the book. It's in the right side of the book. From God making animals speak to people, from God opening up the earth and swallowing a whole group of people that were in opposition of what God was doing, parting the Red Sea, parting the Jordan River. Uh, it, it's, there's, it's all throughout the, the, the scriptures, God doing things in completely unexpected and supernatural ways. Uh, what I want you to know is that it's for today. <laughs> and a lot of people, I think they believe they're supposed to follow the Bible. That's, not a, that's usually not a difficult one to convince people. The prophets and prophecy usually takes a little more convincing but I would say in general, most people don't understand the need for or have any desire for uh, supernatural encounters. A couple of weeks ago when I taught on this, my, what I ended up doing is spending a lot of time just telling story after story after story, uh, much like I did with the one with me and Leanne getting pregnant. Uh, well, Leanne getting pregnant, my part was easy. Um, but, but, <laughs> squirrel. Um, but the, the goal was just to create an appetite for it. And, um, and I really, I, I kind of just want to continue with that. Like I said, I've had, I know I've had encounters. Raise your hand if you know you've had a supernatural encounter with God. Mo, mo, a lot of you in here have, but a lot of you in here haven't. And I, I think my heart is that not just that a few of us go far, but that we all go somewhere. And I think that when we all get on the same page and we're all, the Bible says, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? I want us all going together in agreement that God is gonna to continue to supernaturally work in our lives. And, and, and I wanna answer some questions around that because for me personally, one of the questions that, I don't know why I thought about this, but it just, it, it was a question I thought, uh, what are the purposes, what is the purpose of a supernatural encounter? What's the point of a supernatural encounter? And when I, when I started going down that road, I, I went one direction and the Lord took me back because I, I, I want to just remind you, I started off by calling this message um, the blueprint of an encounter, the blueprint of an encounter. And when I originally started having this thought, uh, I just want to be really transparent with you about what I thought I was supposed to do and then the, where the Lord took me and where we're going to land right here in just a second. Um, 
I have had some incredible encounters in my life. I, I shared those with you a couple weeks ago. You can go back and listen to the podcast. But I also know that in and around many of those encounters, the Lord had me do some very specific things. Um, from uh, prayer, times in prayer, times in worship, uh, fasting, uh, making very uh, drastic moves in my, per- some ge- geographically having me literally move places on, on a word from the Lord. I have had on multiple occasions, the Lord tell me I'm, uh, I'm a big bow hunter and I usually have thousands of dollars of equipment in my possession as it pertains to hunting. On more than one occasion, two times, in fact, the Lord has said, give it all away, every bit of it. So on two different occasions, I've packaged up my bow, my arrows, and every single thing that went with it, called someone, said, here, it's yours now. Because of the Lord, I felt like the Lord prompted me to do that. One occasion, same thing with my fishing equipment, tens of thousands of dollars of fishing equipment. The Lord said, Get every, give every bit of it away. And so I lined it all up and gave it to one of my really good friends at the time. And what I had in my head was, I wanted to teach you and, 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 and equip you with some of the things that I have done that have triggered supernatural encounters in my life. Now, bit of a disclaimer, all of those things are still true. There will be times in your life where the Lord will ask you to do something extravagant, crazy, wild, and he's looking, he's looking for you to um, engage in engage your faith with him in a way that you never have before is the best way for me to say it. At the end of the day, that's what he's looking for. He's looking for radical faith. He just wants you, simply put, he just wants you to believe him. He just wants you to believe him. And sometimes the only way you'll know even if you believe him is if you follow and you do what he asks you to do, even if it is absolutely crazy. The father of our faith, how was his, how did he become the father of our faith? Because even when he got the promised son, when he was given his Isaac, the Lord said, now that you've got him, I want you to kill him. And it took a crazy act of faith for Abraham to take Isaac, take the wood and go up on that mountain with full intent of sacrificing his son. How many of you guys know that makes no sense? Disclaimer, the Lord will still t- is still telling us today things to do for, for believers that may not make sense. They may seem crazy, but, and that's the direction I wanted to go. And for whatever reason, as I began studying, in fact, I had a whole thing a couple weeks ago, had a whole second half of my notes that I just never got to. And so I was like, oh, great. That'll make this time when I preach this message, I've already got all the notes for this. And man, I went in here and tried to study and read on it. And I mean, it was as, I mean, it was just dry. There was no oil on it. There was, I could, not, I could tell the, the Spirit of the Lord was not on this. And I was just getting somewhat frustrated even yesterday, like, Lord, I need you to speak. I need you to get, I need you to bless this message that I want to preach is really what it boiled down to. And as I, was, as I was studying, all of a sudden this thought crossed my mind as I was gonna talk through things that you could do that move the heart of God. All of a sudden I just had this thought of Paul, the apostle Paul. And as I began to think about it, I was like, well, Paul's kind of important because I mean, throughout scripture, we see God doing incredible things in the Old Testament. We see Jesus doing miracles, but sometimes we attest that to Jesus. Some trains of belief, they go, well, we see the disciples, the original 12 disciples even doing miracles, but that's because they were original 12. And it's crazy the hoops that some 
you know, trains of thought will jump through to try to convince us that all of that stopped at, with the apostles. It's just, it's kind of crazy. You have to just make scriptures up to believe that. And, but, but Paul's different. Paul's unique in that Paul is just like me and you. He had to, he never had a relationship with Jesus in the natural. Paul had to hear the word, believe the word, submit to the word. That, that's Paul. So Paul's a picture for me and you. And so I, Paul's important in this, but all of a sudden the Lord, when I'm thinking about all these things I wanna talk about, the Lord draws me to Paul and I was like, oh, well, as it pertains to encounters, I know Paul's significant in scripture. As it pertains to encounters, I probably should give a little bit of, a little bit of time to say, hey, sometimes you can have an encounter and you can do nothing to earn it and nothing to deserve it. And I thought that was about the extent of what I was gonna say. But the Lord wouldn't let me off this. And I wanna read to you in Acts chapter nine, just very briefly, the story of Paul. Uh, how many of you guys have heard of the road to Damascus experience that Paul had? You, you, a lot of us have probably heard this. I, I just wanna read the whole thing here. Acts chapter nine, starting at verse one, verse one says, then Saul, it's Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked, asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly, and suddenly, just say that with me, suddenly, a light shone around him from heaven he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now let's pause here for just a second. This is gonna sound silly, but I'm just gonna say it. Paul was not in pursuit of God. Paul was not in pursuit of God. He wasn't just a non-believer. <laughs> he was an aggressive adversary to the things of God. And he was even, he was looking for even more political and, and, and uh, church power. He wanted letters. He wanted something in writing that said that if he ever found someone who was a believer, that he could bind them and bring, bring them to Jerusalem. He was after Christians. He wasn't just a non-Christian. He, he was a hater. But suddenly, a light shone around him from the heaven. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Now, how many of you guys would believe that'll get your attention when the God you don't believe in shows up, knocks you to the ground, and you're like, whoa, what is this? And he goes, I'm the one you've been messing with. And the Lord said to him, rise and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. So Paul's not the only one having an encounter. The people that are even with Paul are going, we hear something that we can't see. So they're freaking out. Then Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And there he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. So as you can see, what this encounter that he had, it blinded him. He couldn't see and they had, people had to help him. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias and to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. 
All of a sudden, this guy who didn't believe in God is now blinded by a supernatural encounter. All of a sudden, he praying. Somebody's got his attention. (laughs) And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. So let's just briefly, a man who was not in pursuit of God, had wanted nothing to do with God, suddenly has an encounter with God. He is blinded, he is praying, and now he's having visions. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard about, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on this road has come to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus and immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he truly is the son of God. Obviously, Paul had an encounter. If I'm just being really honest with you, um, when the Lord began to talk to me about this, it kind of got my attention because what I feel like the Lord was doing was not just giving me a message for you. In fact, you're just collateral damage to be quite honest with you. The Lord was speaking to me because the Lord said, you've started giving more credit to what you've done to get an encounter than you've been giving to what I've done to give you an encounter. And I think sometimes in, as in, a, in, in our pursuit with God, we do realize that the Lord starts asking us of some things, We're, we start doing some things, and we are aware of the fact at times and can become aware of the fact that I am doing more than I've ever done before. I am praying more than I've ever prayed before. I'm going to church more than I've ever gone to church before. I'm tithing now. I'm actually tithing. And all of a sudden we, and again, none of those things are bad. None of those things are bad. The problem comes when we start giving more credit to what we've done than we give to what he already did. When we lose sight of the fact that if it wasn't for Jesus, none of this would have happened. And that according to scripture, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't do anything to start this. We didn't do anything to earn this. We didn't do anything to deserve this. There's absolutely nothing in the kingdom that we went first in. Not one thing. We didn't go first in pursuing our salvation. God sent Jesus first while we were still sinners. God sent Jesus when you were a blip on the radar. But the point was God saw into the future And he said, before they ever choose to serve me, I'm gonna make a way out for them. Every single one of us in this room, we are here and we are here only, only by the mercy and the kindness of God. Raise your hand again if you've ever had an encounter with God. Every single person in this room, 
you've only had an encounter with God because of the mercy and the kindness of God. You can't make God do anything. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I prayed. Oh, you did? You, uh, that, that's, that's an interesting. How did you know how to pray? Well, I read the Bible. Did you write that Bible? Then how did you know how to pray? And why are you giving yourself credit for praying because God, did you write it? I, I'm, we, we can sit there here all day long and, and everything you say you did that made this thing happen. Mind you, I am aware of the fact that sometimes God will ask us to do things. I don't wanna go into that ditch. But what I need us to do every now and then is back up and remind ourselves of where this all started in the first place. Because I'll bet you most of us in here will never accomplish a fraction of what the Apostle Paul accomplished. He wrote some books that we now call the Bible. <laughs> he is the Apostle Paul. And even his life started with God, with, with him saying, I want nothing to do with him. And God saying, even if you don't want anything to do with me, I want something to do with you. And if I have to blind you in a moment of persecution, put scales on your eyes, give you an encounter with me that so rocks your theology, so rocks your thinking that you have no, no other option than to believe than what you experience. The Bible actually tells us that signs, wonders, and miracles are actually for the believer or unbeliever. Jesus said, if you don't believe the words I'm speaking, believe the miracles. <laughs> what was he saying? The word will work. But if you won't believe the word, I'll do a miracle that you didn't earn, that you didn't deserve, that you even doubted, but I'll do the miracle to help your unbelief. Why this is important to me is because I, and here's what the Lord showed me. Uh, we have any people, math people in here, like math, a bunch of weirdos. Um, <laughs> I'm one of them, I actually like math. But what do we know about math? There's an order of operations. There's an order of operations. And there's certain, you, 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 can't, you can't add before you multiply. You got to, what is it, exponents before multiplication? Something like that? There, there's an order of operations. And if you do one before the other, it's still math, but if you get them out of order, you won't get the right answer. And the, here's what the Lord said to me. He said, prayer is important. And pr there, there are times that prayer will unlock an encounter. There are times that faithfulness will unlock an encounter. There are times with, when uh, fasting will unlock an encounter. There are times when radical acts of obedience, will, uh, these are all true. As far as order of operations go, they are all behind the mercy and the kindness of God. And if you preach this thing backwards, here's what, here's what was gonna happen. Much like I was living in and the Lord got my attention on, you'll find yourself in pride giving more credit to what you've done than what he did. Or maybe even worse, you'll find yourself in shame and I'll talk about all these things that you should do to get an encounter and in your mind you'll go, I've done none of them and don't know how to do any of them. I'll never have an encounter with God. And it's not true. Paul wasn't praying. Paul wasn't going to church. Paul wasn't following anything. But the kindness and the goodness of God said, I need him and I want him and I'll do whatever it takes to get it. Some of you in here are one radical encounter with God away from you giving the rest of your life to pursuing everything he's called you to do. And what I need you to know is he loves you enough that even if you don't get it right, 
he's willing to do his part. I'll say it a different way. He's already done his part. Every now and then we just got to rearrange. Go. It's like a chiropractic adjustment in the spirit. It's like, we, we got to get this thing right again. And uh, Kyle said it. There's a reason we take communion every single Sunday. It's not because it just seems like a good thing to do. I, it was a strategy we felt like the Lord gave us to say every single Sunday, I want to just be reminded that this is where it started. It started in one man giving his life. And even as we go and pursue other things and we pursue, you know, signs, wonders and miracles and the advancement of the kingdom and quote unquote more mature, th- more mature stuff, even the mature stuff, even the signs, wonders and miracles, even the encounters with God started with the mercy and the kindness of God. There's not a thing we should ever do that we don't lean into that first. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.